Hebrews chapter 6. We worked our way through verses 4, 5, and 6, looking at the professors of salvation and how God had, had worked in their life and blessed them, and they had all the exposure necessary to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they turned their heart against it. Many of which will never have another opportunity simply because of the hardness of their heart. And then he begins to us in verse 9, and he changes course and says, But beloved, we are persuaded, we are convinced that, that you're going to do better. We're convinced that life for you is going to be much better. You're not going to be part of that particular crowd because of the salvation which you do have. You are a possessor, not simply a professor. But beloved, again, the only time he uses that term in this particular letter, we are persuaded. And we are persuaded of things that accompany salvation, things that join to salvation. And that's what he is presenting to them here. He wants them to know that there are some things that you need to cultivate in your life, some things which you need to develop in your life to help you in your spiritual growth, to help you avoid the problems that he has just talked about at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. Now again, he's already talked to them. Now He said, many of you should be teachers, but you still need to be taught. But beloved, I still think better things for you. In this way. So that's what he's presenting to them. And then last week we talked about verse 10 and love. Cultivate love. And love is something that we are to be doing. It's not just something that we feel. He says that you have loved, that you have showed. Your love has been on demonstration and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And so in the past and that which we presently see, you are a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of your love one to another, John 13. And so that's something we are to cultivate, something we are to show. Did your love, and that was a challenge we left last week, did your life this week demonstrate love to anybody? Was anybody encouraged by your ministry in their life this week? And you did it because you loved him. You didn't do it because you felt like it. Because maybe it was even inconvenient at the time. But you did it because you loved him. You did it because you, you, you really wanted to minister to that person. So cultivate love. If we're going to grow in this whole process, and we're going to be have people look at us, and say, hey, there's better things about you, and if we're going to have these things that accompany, that, that join to salvation, love is one of those. The second one we're going to look at in verse 11 here this morning, and that is hope. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Now, we're looking at love last week, hope this week, faith, Probably next week. But that's the process. Faith, hope, and love. We have that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Colossians chapter 1. You have those three things presented. 1 Peter chapter 1, you have those three things blended together as well. So there's several times in the scripture where we have faith, hope, and love used in a, as, a, as a trilogy, as it will, uh, as it were, for, for us in the manner in which we live our lives. 
Love last week, hope this week. How does it begin? We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. That this emotional intensity that he's presented here. He says, desire, earnestly long for. See, you are directing your passion towards something here which is very good. Now, the word that he uses here for desire in the negative sense is the same word for lust. So, so you, you, we recognize the passion for lust. Here he says, I want you to have a passion here, even for hope. You earnestly long for something, and then he uses the word diligence, which talks about an eagerness, something that you make haste for. So primarily we're talking about an attitude that leads to action. To do something with intense effort. And most of the time we don't think about hope that way. Most of the time hope is just kind of pretty passive. Well, you know, I, I hope. I, I, I hope. And, and we just kind of sit back and, and we're just living on our hope. And we just expect all of these things to fall into place and whoop, there it is. Now, the, the hope here that he's talking about is something that we are actually actively engaged in. And so he tells us, make every effort to display their confidence in this promise. So I'm supposed to make every effort here in my pursuit of hope. So I can show hope as well as I show love. And what he's doing here, I, I think with these words he's using with desire and diligence, I think he is again giving them a, a, a sense of a warning that, that perhaps some of you are wavering in this full assurance of hope. Uh, some of you are, are, are not as steadfast at it as you should be. And he desires to leave no one behind. He says, each one. Uh, we desire every one of you. We don't want anyone to, to come lacking in this whole process. We want the congregation to be moving forward as a unit. The full assurance, he says. The full conviction. Absolute confidence. The full development here of hope. Now that word here, full assurance, is used of faith in Romans chapter 4. We're going to see it again in Hebrews chapter 10. Colossians chapter 2, it talks about the full assurance of understanding, the full development of understanding, and that's the idea, the, the full development of hope, the full development of understanding. Literally, literally the word means to be, to be under full sail. We have any sailors here? We've got a Navy guy, but we actually own a... Well, yes, Sheeters did. Uh, uh, with, with the sail. Steve, were you a sailor? I know you're on a ship. All right. You weren't on a boat, you're on a ship. Is that the right terminology? I don't want to mess that up either. Ship, okay. All right. Ships carry boats. And those boats may have a sail, but they don't even have sails, do they? Do you actually carry a boat that has a sail on it? On a ship? Yeah, I see there. Eh, we're past beyond that. Now, now, Dave and his family, or brother especially, they, they did that. In fact, one, we... How scary this was for me, because I'm not a water person at all. For my birthday one year, I had a surprise deal. I don't know, David, if you're part of this or not. That uh, the group of us, I don't know, six of us or something like that, we got in a boat. It was dark, and we went out on the Cowan Lake 
that way. And we were out there, about six of us out there. And, 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 and I'm, again, I'm not a water, so this scared me pretty much to no end. And this is supposed to be my birthday surprise. And they're trying to scare me through this, through this whole thing type thing. Then we found out the lights on the boat didn't work because we came across another boat and they hollered at us. So the rest of the way back to shore, somebody was hollering, what, green or red or something like that along the way. So it was, um, oh yeah, it was a birthday surprise to remember. But, but this, the, the word here for full assurance, full development is, is to operate under full sail. And, and, and so we have everything at our disposal. I mean, we're making progress here that we have the full assurance that my hope is, my, the sale of my, my hope is full. The way to enjoy this fullness, he says here, is to be actively engaged in, in the work of God. One writer says this, Note that assurance comes from diligence. If we are diligent in living for Christ, our hearts are filled with assurance. If we are not diligent, then we cannot be assured that all things will be well. Living an up and down life, sometimes living for Christ and other times not living for Christ, sometimes living in sin and sometimes living in, uh, in righteousness causes doubt, questioning, and wondering about salvation. And it should. We should fear lest we fall away from Christ and His Word. See, he's already warn these people and he's going to do it again in verse 10 he says the purpose of all this that you be not slothful that you be not sluggish see if if, if we're not pursuing this whole area and we're not uh, adding this and cultivating this as part of our uh, our salvation experience we can become sluggish we can become slothful it can lead to apostasy and and, and people can fall away and again they left us because they really were not of us. And we desire that every one of you do show that you demonstrate the same diligence in the area of hope unto the end. What is this hope that he's talking about? Well, hope by definition is an absolute certainty in a future good or a confident expectation. John Blanchard said this, Hope is biblical shorthand for unconditional certainty. Again, so it's not passive. My hope is in something that is very certain, something that is assured to me. Thomas Brooks wrote this, A man full of hope will be full of action. Hope can see heaven through the thickest clouds. Now, Hope is no stranger as a word even in this book of Hebrews. Chapter 3, verse 6. I'm going to read some of these. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Here in chapter 6, verse 11. Chapter 6, verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Chapter 7, verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. And then chapter 10, verse 23, the word is used, it's not translated that. It says, let us hold fast a profession of our faith. The word faith there is the word hope. 
Let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering. And so this is something that we can be steadfast in. It's something we are pursuing, something we are looking forward to. It is something that we are assured of. Hope drives us on. If you've read any documentaries or watched them or listened or read some of these people who have been in like some like concentration concentration camps or, or, or prisoner of war camps. And they talked about it was hope. It was hope that drove them. Uh, hope that, uh, that encouraged them each and every day. And those who lost hope were the ones who suffered the most. Uh, many of them died because for them there was no hope. We're living in a day and age now where people have lost their sense of hope. And, and it's becoming tragic in the lives of many, many people. And all of us waver in this area of hope. You know, we, we can be steadfast at it for a while, and then it, 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 it'll wane on us if we're not careful. And then sometimes we can get discouraged, and sometimes we can become depressed, simply because we've lost our hope. Now he says, you show the same diligence. There's this... Uh, 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 movement within our own hearts that our sail is full of hope. See, the opposite of hope is despair. May we not fall into that camp. Hope's an interesting word. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 8, it's the name for God. Jeremiah 14, 8 says that God is referred to as the hope of Israel. Some of you may know an individual named Hope. Haven't heard of anyone named to that for a long time, but it used to be a name. May Bradley's mom was, was a Hope. It gives us something to anticipate. Psalm 71, verse 5, For thou art my hope, O Lord God, my trust from my youth. Acts 28, verse 20, For the hope of Israel I am bound in this chain. And so, so Paul said, I, I'm headed to Rome. But it's because of my, my, my love for Israel and my hope for Israel that all Israel ultimately will be saved. Colossians 1.27 is one that if you don't have underlined, I think you should in, in your Bible. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 The hope of glory. Why do I have that? Because Christ is in me. That's why we have a, a, a role to play in this world that many people would long for because we can have hope. Oh, we, we can have a passion for these things that many people will not because they do not have Christ. Too many people fall into the camp of the Italian poet Dante. In his Dante, I thought, in his his comedy where he wrote, "What anybody remember what his most familiar words are?" Yep, a, a inscription written over the world of the dead: "Abandon all hope, you who enter here." There are people who do that. People who do that. 
But a living hope should activate a looking hope. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 talks about looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. G.K. Chesterton, we've seemed like we quoted him several times in our study of Hebrews, said this, Hope means hoping when things are hopeless or there's no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is merely flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. See, at the time when we hit towards despair and then we get discouraged, that's the time when hope really should come to the forefront. Admirable Chester Nimitz actually had a uh, carrier named after him for the Navy. Say, God grant me the courage not to give up what I think is right, even though I think it is hopeless. That's where we ought to be. We have hope. We have hope. We are pursuing hope. And he says we are pursuing that hope unto the end. The end is the goal. We, we saw that back in chapter 3 as well when we talked about the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. What end are we looking for, folks? The glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, see, once Christ returns, I don't have to worry about hope. I have nothing else to hope for. He is the summation of everything that I'm hoping for. See, well, once Christ returns and once we are with Him, I don't have to worry about hope anymore. Because that's what I've been hoping for. That's the end. And it doesn't get any better than that. See, the display of confidence in the Lord's second coming is a hallmark of Christian maturity. And so as he's talking to us about the things that accompany salvation, it is a, a purposeful love one for another. And now it is a hope. And I am anticipating and I'm looking for Christ. And that drives me. It drives my love. It can drive my faith. But it keeps me pursuing these things. And, and I, I want to make sure that my sail is full. Even unto the end. My hope is the victorious reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of this age. That's pretty good company to keep, isn't it? Love and hope. I, I would like to be around people who have love and they have hope. Because when you walk into other circumstances and other situations of people who have no hope, it's a, it's a downer. Boy, it's discouraging. And, and many times we're glad to be out of that particular conversation. How's your hope? How's your hope? Have you thought much about the return of the Lord Jesus lately? Have you thought much about looking for the, the, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing? May we add to our salvation. That, that's good. This is good company to keep now. Love and hope. Love and hope. And Lord willing, we'll look at faith next week. Heavenly Father, just pray for us because, oh God, as we're looking at life around us, 
if we're not careful, we can be drugged down to their level. But Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God and through the authority of the Word of God and the promises which our God has given to us, the God of hope, we ought to be children of hope. Looking unto the end. Anticipating such. And recognizing that the end is coming that drives us in our love, even in our ministry, one towards another. That we recognize, Lord, that this world is not the summation of our life. There's something beyond this. Something more significant than this. And Lord, that we can even with hope recognize that our Lord Jesus will reward us for that which we do upon this earth. So Lord, that should spur us. That should drive us. And I pray, O oh God, to that end that you will encourage us each and every day. Lord, I pray for our love. I pray for our hope. I pray for those things that accompany salvation. I pray, O oh God, that we will be dressed in them and dressed well. For Jesus' sake and amen.